We live in a world that is filled with mystery and wonder, filled with a lot of questions. You must seek those answers. Find the answers that make sense. A lot of people we find cover things up and sweep them under the rug because they simply don't want the truth to be known. It's up to you, the individual, to dive in and study and recognize truth when you hear it. Today, we have Carl DeLue back with us, and we're going to discuss Jesus in India. It's a great topic, and it's a great discussion. Let's dive into today's topic. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world, all done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and a sense of humor. And remember that some worldviews are stranger than others. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we have a return guest with us, Carl DeLue. Carl is the author of The Universe Code, The Health Spring Code, and The Dyslexia Code. Last season, we spoke with Carl about The Dyslexia Code. This time we are going to speak with Carl about Jesus in India and The Universe Code. Carl, could you let our listeners and our new listeners know just a little bit about you and how you got started in writing your books, please? Hello, Ed. Uh, thank you for having me again. Um, yes, I'm. Uh, my background up to about two years ago, I was 30 years in the building industry, uh, accountant. In, in the Commonwealth countries, they called it a chartered quantity surveyor. But um, I went from into property and then I invested heavily in the Irish Celtic Tiger years and I lost everything and that woke me up. At the same time, my daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia and taken out of the class and I said to my then wife, we better get her back into the class. So I researched dyslexia, people asked me for notes, that was the start of my book, The Dyslexia Code. Because of dyslexic, they take uh, studies that take people off gluten products and lactose and milk that improves dyslexia hugely through functional tests. I started studying nutrition. That led to my book, The Housespring Code. Both those books took about six months each to research. Um, but then I, uh, it sort of woke me up spiritually, all of that. And I went for the biggie, which was uh, the universe. And I set out to uncover the mystery of the universe, and I did that, uh, and then tell the world, I did that in 2017, I reached that goal, and now I want to tell the world. Now, today's discussion is not about that, um, and 
Yes, so I've got the Universe Code book, seven years of research. I picked four topics. And today's topic, Jesus, India, is a controversial topic. You know, I'm a Christian, but for Christians, obviously, it, 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 this topic is controversial. But it is for world peace, and my main, main goal in life is world peace. Uh, and for world peace, it is the most important item. Yeah, on on your website, it states fostering world peace through the truth. And that is something our world really lacks, Carl, is the truth. And people seem to be like ostriches and put their head in the sand, and they don't want to really dive deep and discuss the meaningful things in life. And this is part of it. Our universe, our connection matters. But Jesus in India is very controversial, like you said. It is a very unique topic because there's a lot of things that we don't even recognize or realize about Jesus. And there's not a lot of writings to a big portion of his life. Then there's also the controversy on his ascension. So let's get into Jesus in India a little bit. How how did you stumble across this, and why is it such a passion for you? Well, I stumbled in, in during my seven years' research. I just went out there for the truth, and I discovered in that seven years that the truth will set us free. So it's the truth. Is that, That's, to me, from my research, the most important point, the truth. The truth will set us free. And, yes, I, I just discovered it, you know, and um, I did a lot of reading obviously i went to a lot of their events and i went to all the locations of the five main religions except um islam buddhism i've never, never i haven't been to saudi arabia but um the from that and you know uh, my book has got 21 chapters the i picked four topics that i believe is world peace so i've got an event on the 9th of uh, april next year in in uh, new york called the one souls event and the whole purpose of the event is world peace. So I believe in my lifetime we can have world peace. But the way to achieve world peace is first for the five main religions to realize um, the lives. So realize what's the truth. And then the five main religions will relax. And once the five main religions can relax, then we can go into world peace. Because, you know, if you believe in evolution, evolution is not improved, I believe in evolution, then there can only be one creator. So 75% of humanity is made up of the five main religions, which we can discuss today. And yet there can only be one creator for all five. And yet those five main religions have caused through wars so many deaths, not only wars, but, you know, we've seen now what's happened recently in Israel and Palestine. So... The main religions need to relax, and that can only come through the truth. Yes, that's very true. So, yeah, our world is made up of very controversial topics, and religion happens to be one of those. There, like you said, is five main religions. What are the common similarities of these five main religions? Um, well, that there is one creator. That's the common thread. Um, and that um, reincarnation was taken out of the Old and New Testament. And it's in the Quran. The, the, the Muslims haven't just looked for it. You can just uh, search engine look for reincarnation. It's in the Quran. The Quran is, uh, I, I better mention it right now, um, although I'm a Christian, I found is the most authentic document. So one of the reasons, only one of the reasons, the Creator, via Angel Gabriel and Prophet Muhammad, then this illiterate guy starting to um, write these things down, um, did the Quran. Only one of the reasons is for the untruths of what scholars did to the Old and New Testament. Unfortunately, as soon as Prophet Muhammad died, you had to repeat what happened before. So today you've got 73 different Muslim sects. Uh, now, the Muslims have done much better than the Christians. Wikipedia says there's about a thousand Christian sects. 
Others say there's 30,000. I think it's more like 30,000. So you've got 73 different books and sects, and what they've done is each put a different slant on the Quran. And so there's a site that's got seven translations of each verse in the Quran, and you can see the difference. And a lot of these um, Muslim Quran books are very thick little books, thick books, and they've got explanation notes. We don't need someone in between. We can speak directly to the Creator. We can go directly to the Quran. Okay, if it's in Arabic, so you have to read. So the Quran is a very, very authentic um, document. And um, in my research, in Arabic form, not the form that the 73 Muslim sects. So, for, you know, Sunni and Shia, there's only two of the Muslim sects. They're the two main ones, but there's 73 different ones. So, um, can I kick off with Jesus in India? Yeah. So, how, when when did Jesus go to India? Was it during that lost years of his youth? Okay. Can I start just a little bit before that? Yeah. And then I'll answer. Then I'll come on to that. So, you know, I'm from South Africa, uh, Victoria, South Africa, and. The Dutch, the Dutch, the English, and the French, and so on, went to South Africa. The Dutch went to South Africa in 1652. My forefathers. At that stage, we were the invaders because there was the black tribes in Africa, Southern Africa. So that's quite clear that we were the people that invaded the whites. When you go to um, Israel and Palestine we're talking today and now we've just recently had the problems there it's very different because if I just go on Wikipedia and I just look at Jerusalem it seems that Jerusalem was first Egyptians sort of more than a thousand years ago a thousand years before Christ it was uh, Egyptians was in control but then what you've got is a thousand two hundred years before Christ you had Moses and we all know Moses was born in Nile Egypt in this basket, and then you have the Exodus, and he never saw, he saw the promised land, but he never went into Israel. But then you had the recordings of David, sort of a thousand years before Christ, and so the Israelis have been in, in Israel for a thousand years before Christ, and the Palestines, uh, I assume, I'm not a historian, is you know, it was there even before that. So there's a long history. So compared to South Africa, where I'm from, it's very unclear. Both have been there. And a two-state solution in Israel and Palestine will never work, in my view. It will never work because Israel and Palestine are both claiming that piece of uh, piece of land. But turning to Jews in India, so the in 722 years before Christ, you've got what they call the Lost Tribes. So the Andrew Lord Weber play, the um, musical on uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, where you've got the 12 tribes and, and, and uh, um, 12 sons of Jacob, and Joseph was one of them. Ten of those 12 tribes got ejected out of Israel. And all that's known about them is that they went east. So this is 722 years before Christ. And, you know, they talk that they went to Afghanistan, Pakistan, and I believe they went as far as Kashmir. But, you know, there's very little information on that. So just imagine, 10 of the 12 tribes were forced out of Palestine. And, you know, you've got to Dispura, people would have gone back to, to, to Jerusalem again even though they were rejected, because it, that was the Silk Road, the Silk Road East from Jerusalem. So there's, there's a history there. But then on your question, um, Jesus then, um, in, so in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's only one very long verse on Jesus between the ages of 13 and 29. And it says he gained wisdom. So Jesus is obviously a very highly uh, evolved soul. And he then, according to the Talmud 
Not at Talmud, sorry, we're coming later on. According to the life of St. Isa, and I'll come on to what that is now, Jesus at the age of 13, uh, everyone sort of at that stage must already get a wife. He wasn't interested. He on his own went east on the Silk Road. But he must have known, and I'm just guessing it, he must have known where to go to because of the lost tribes, because those lost tribes would have come back and forth to Israel because that Silk Road was traveled. In any case, so he went east. And according to the uh, the life of St. Esau, which I'll come on to now, he then first went to Jagannath Temple, which is currently Puri in eastern India. And um, he there studied under Hindu scribes. And I've been trying to get hold of a, a guy called Puri Shankara Shankaraya, the 145th, but I, I just don't manage to get it. So there's very little information on it. Where there's a lot more information is to do with the Talmud of Germanium. So after that, Jesus went north to uh, Tibet. So obviously at that point, to Tibet wouldn't have been part of China, you know, there would have been no India, it was just, but, and he went to the uh, Lhasa Monastery, L-H-A-S-A Monastery in Tibet, which for those that don't know, it's the southern westernmost corner of China, and it's just north of India, so the northernmost province of India is Kashmir, uh, Yaman Kashmir, and it's just northeast of that. And then on the on the eastern western side, you've got Pakistan. So Kashmir is is uh, really what I'm also going to discuss now. In any case, so Jesus went there in the monastery in Lhasa and Tibet, and he was taught by the Buddhist monks, uh, according to the life of Saint Isa. So then. Uh, so in my research, very early on in my research, uh, I came upon a book by Nicholas Notovich. And he, the book is all about him going to the um, monastery in Himis, which is just outside Leh, in a, in a province in India called Ladakh, which is just east of Kashmir. And and what the uh, the life of Isa says. So so what transpired is that when Buddhist monks go back to Lahaza, because that in Tibet is the main monastery, they then make copy scribes of other scribes. So one Buddhist monk copied the scribe of Jesus being in Tibet, and then took it back to Hinas, which is it's not far away actually, but it's uh, and that's where Nicholas Notovich saw it, and he wrote a book about it. And then I wrote, um, read another book of a lady, English lady, that uh, like separately, like for 40, 50 years different timing, also saw it. And there's uh, a three-time Nobel Prize, putting forward for a Nobel Prize, never won it, that saw it. There's another Swami guy. So about five influential people have actually seen this crime. But my call is now on the um, Dalai Lama. I've tried to get hold of them. I've sort of put a post on the website. Um, but to now release this document, The Life of St. Isa. Fortunately, end of December, I only discovered recently, someone uh, in London uh, actually communicated with them. He did a fantastic 30 minutes or so um, YouTube video. If people go to YouTube and they just put in Jesus in India, Tibet, Persia, Jesus, India, Tibet, Persia, they'll see this video. It, it, it's the, that book, it's the life of St. Isa that, that's described in those scrolls. And um, y yes, and then he went back uh, to Palestine. There's, there's a lot of uh, things that you said there. Now, you, you said there was a document that was written or scribed out 
that recorded Jesus in India at that time? Yes. <clears throat> what, what was the name of that? It's the life of Saint Isa. That's so very interesting. Uh, so if you, if, if any viewers go to my website, which is lightsurfers.me, L-I-G-H-T-S-U-R-F-E-R-S dot M-E, lightsurfers.me, and you click on One Souls, which is my One Soul event in New York next year, there's two articles there. And the one article, I explain, it's a very short article about that, and it gives some of the details there. Um, and that document needs to be carbon dated now. And the the Buddhist community has got that document. Um, and um, I'll come later on, because this is not the end of Jesus' story, why this is important now, why this has got to be released, because this is all linked to uh, to world peace. Yes. Yeah, that that's very... Very true. If there's a document like that, it does need to be authenticated and dated for sure, because history is important. And we we all want to think that we know history, but we weren't there. And the only way we can actually get a insight is through these authentic documents. And, you know, Flavius Josephus, he documented a lot of things during the destruction of the temple that you go and you read those writings you'll find a lot of inconsistencies with what some of the narrative is today so you know finding locating these documents and getting them authenticated is the key for that so i i really do encourage you to stay on that journey carl because it, it helps everybody when we uncover the truth. There's an email address for the Dalai Lama. Um, you know, it's like an info address. It's not actually in, it says something else, but I've emailed quite a few times. I've tried to phone. There's two telephone numbers. Um, but And I, I've posted, as I've mentioned, on the Facebook page, and it, it's very difficult. And then one of the speakers, um, he comes from Kushinigar, where Buddha uh, passed away in India. He knows a few lamas. So we're trying different routes. And we just got to, at the end, uh, uh, get this authenticated. So, you know, what I've discussed so far is I, th this uh, YouTube video that the guy released in December 2020, he... Um, it, by the time I looked a few weeks ago, it already had something like three quarters of a million views. And it's something that can be accepted, I still, I think, by, by Christians. But what I'm going to discuss next, uh, if there's any Christian listeners, you need to buckle in, in your seat, because <laughs> what I'm going to discuss next is um, certainly controversial. Um but I believe is the truth. Um, so, yeah. Can I can I carry on to the next phase? Please, Carl. This is your interview. This is your time. This is about your information getting out. Okay. So then Jesus went uh, back to to um, Israel at age 29, and then he's crucified. And, uh, and you know, we all know what what happened there. So um, the what the Quran says, and I'm going to read. I've got a fantastic Quran. It was given my, me by a Muslim guy in Kashmir, in Srinagar, the capital of Kashmir, and it's a very thin little Quran because there's no notes from Muslim scholars to try and change it. And um, so this is from.
and those who differ in this matter are in doubt concerning it. They have no definitive knowledge about it, but only follow mere conjecture. But they certainly did not kill him. God raised him towards himself. God is almighty and wise. So, you know, when um, when uh, Prophet Muhammad received all these verses from the creator of Angel Gabriel, the Jews and the Christians didn't like what was said. And that's why there were so many, you know, uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad was driven out of Mecca to Medina, and then he had wars all his life, and eventually he went back to um, Mecca, and he took Mecca back. His army at that stage, he had a highly trained army. And then when Prophet Muhammad passed away, then the Muslim armies for centuries uh, just kept on rampaging and stuff like that. But um, the Quran very clearly says that Jesus wasn't crucified. So you can imagine for, from a world peace point of view how important that verse is. Because yeah, you've got the Quran, so all these Muslims believe that Jesus wasn't crucified, and yet all Christians and Jews believe he was. So all Jew, sorry, all Christians believe he was crucified. So that is absolutely an issue that needs to be you know, addressed. So fortunately, there's a document called the Talmud of Germania, uh, Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D of Germania, J-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Now, Germaniel is Jesus' real name. His name wasn't actually Jesus, but let's just call Jesus Jesus. So what happened is the Talmud of Germaniel was found in Jesus' grave, not what people currently think it is, but where actually the grave where actually was, in 1963 by a guy called Billy Meyer, B-I-L-L-Y, Meyer, M-E-I-E-R. And then an Iranian guy was busy translating it into German, because Billy is from Austria, he's early 80s now, and Israelis found out about it and then killed the Iranian guy. And also destroyed the grave. Um, sort of just want to obliterate early knowledge on it. Um, before I say what's in it, I've, Billy Meyer doesn't speak to people, um, but, sorry, I said Austria is actually Switzerland, Switzerland, not Austria. And, um, but people around him say, and I've recently communicated to them, because I've been asked that the Talmud of Germanical needs to be carbonated and released. And they said it was destroyed in a fire. You know, I told them that it was definitely not destroyed in a fire. It's a bit like the life of St. Isa. The, you know, the British army went to go and try and find it in uh, India, because India was part of, you know, the British Empire at that stage. And they came back and said, there's no such thing as a license in the monasteries. But the monasteries will not give it to the British because the British plundered so much of the world's treasures and put it in the British Museum and other museums. And it's the same, you know, Tanya, the, the uh, Billy Myers group, um, uh, they, they just deny it, that it's in existence, because otherwise people will go looking for it. But the Talmud of Germaniel that I'm going to discuss now needs to be released because it's proof that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Um, and it needs to be carbonated. So what the Talmud of Germaniel says, and interesting, the Talmud of Germaniel prophesies that Prophet Muhammad would come about 600 years after Christ, after Jesus. Um, but what it says is that um, Jesus didn't die on the cross. Now, th- th- this following information is not what the Talmud of Germaniel says, but it's what I say. Um, I've learned to communicate with the Creator via automatic writing. Uh, I was taught at the College of Psychic Studies in London. And what the Creator says to me is that Jesus had a near-death experience on the cross. So the the Quran actually says he didn't die, but then um, he went, they raised him towards himself. And that raised towards himself is a near-death experience. Millions of people have had near-death experiences. 
that they go to the spirit world and then they come back and they're normally in accidents and they've got to re-enter their body. But, uh, that's a separate discussion. But the so he didn't die on the cross. Then he went in the grave. But the grave had a secret entrance at, at the rear. So Jesus was in the grave. When the soldiers from the Palestine, from the authorities, um, rolled back, rolled the big stone from the front of the um, grave, and they saw on the third day that Jesus was gone, they ran back to the authorities and said, Jesus is gone. And the authorities said, just say he went up to heaven. And that's where the whole story comes from. I'm just quoting what the Talmud of Jumanian says. So the Jesus didn't just disappear. Jesus was like Prophet Muhammad, like Prophet Krishna in the Hindu, uh, like Buddha, they all prophets. They were very enlightened beings. He wasn't, he just didn't disappear into thin air. And, but he was removed from the rear entrance. And then, you know, Thomas, his brother, saw him. It's in the Bible, New Testament. And also Saul, or Paul, the, the persecutor of, G, of Jesus, that later on followed him, saw him on the road to Damascus, because Jesus went north to Damascus. And he, they thought they saw the spirit, but he was actually Jesus. He was alive. And then um, Jesus hid in Damascus for two years. And he just hid, because the last thing he wants so he heard the story that people says he went up to heaven, and but he, he didn't want to be crucified again. He's, the last thing he's going to say is that I'm alive. And so then Jesus, or actual name Jemaniel, his brother Thomas, his friend Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, it's, it's not factually correct that he was the guy that gave him up. And his mother Mary, you know, Virgin Mary, the four of them, traveled east to Kashmir and then on the way to Kashmir 82 miles away from Srinagar which is the capital of Kashmir Mary, his mother, died and I haven't been to Pakistan, so in Pakistan and because Pakistan is just to the left of Kashmir which is Kashmir, northern tip of India and the place is called Muri, M-U-R-R-E-E, and it's built around Mary's grave. So there it is. Mary it was Mary passed away in current-day Pakistan in a place called in Muri. And um, so, and then Jesus went to Srinagar, and. He then passed away at the age of 115, according to Thomas Jumanio, in just outside in a hill, just outside uh, Srinagar, Kashmir. So yeah, that's the stories. Now, uh, be- before I come to what's the importance of this all now and, and how one can get more peace out of it, is there any sort of comments on that? As a Christian, that's pretty controversial in the first place, you know, but there is openness to that because in the Bible, you know, as, as you say, they, they saw him on the road, but there was also the point that Jesus, when he walked through the wall and the the apostles were inside that room well at that point they were all shocked and the point that i want to make here is he told thomas to come and put his finger in the hand so it it was like a physical body they could actually have substance there and but yet they say he walked through a wall so how do you explain that part of the bible yeah now i'm not a biblical scholar or expert i'm i'm sort of more become an expert just by as i research it of what's removed from the bible uh, rather than sort of what's in the bible because 
the Creator said to me about 20% of the Old and New Testament is incorrect. And that's the problem. Once that 20%, so scholars of the book Old and New Testament used a lot of creativity um, because there's a certain message that needs to be, you know, that they brought across. So I, I, I purposefully don't go into what actually is in the Bible. And that's, you know, it's not nice to be able to do that because I'm a Christian. I was brought up in a very staunch Dutch Reformed church in South Africa. But um, unfortunately, the Old and New Testament has been changed. You know, if I'm not gay, that if I was gay, I would not be very happy with the scriptures at all because it says a gay person is terrible. And the fact is that the creator makes you gay. You're not, you don't become gay. You, you are created by the creator as a gay person. And yet the Bible says it's terrible to be gay. And, you know, and a lot of especially Af- African Christian churches, you know, are still heavily into that because, you know, yeah. believing in that. So there's, unfortunately there's mistakes in the Old New Testament. And this is actually the most important point. People don't, don't even have to believe because you've been taught the whole life that Jesus went up to heaven. It's not even that that's important. To me, is that there needs to be a realization by the five main religions, and particularly the Jews and Christians, that, um, well, the Muslims as well, because they've also uh, uh, sort of changed the Quran's meaning, that there are mistakes by people and you cannot read every single word and just believe in that because unfortunately scholars changed you know for people there was the church is all about power you know and right. once that can be realized that there are that perhaps Jesus didn't put walk through a wall then because that would have would not have happened um, there are amazing things people can do and I do believe Jesus healed people because currently there are people that can can heal people with their hands. There's it, that side I believe in, but but it's 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 just the realization that for the five main religions to that there could be mistakes. There's one creator, and then that the five main religions can start relaxing. Right, and that that actually leads into the second uh discussion topic I want to hit on is you know the church the major religions they have a lot of power and control and they don't want to lose that so it's up to each individual to do their own research and the depth that they go to to do this research really quantifies what they find out during the Council of Nicaea, there was this Bible being put together, and this council, they offered up different books, and like you said, there's a lot of books that were expelled and rejected from the compiled Bible that we kind of know today uh, regardless of the uh, revisions and all that came through it. It started there at the Council of Nicaea, this Bible that we all look on. So there's a lot of books like the Book of Enoch, the Book of the Dead, uh, a lot of these, the Book of the Giants, that a lot of people are afraid to look into and challenge the narrative the status quo and i really feel that that's their own lacking of interest that they have to really dive into themselves because the interest of your soul and what happens to me it's a great big deal and i'm the one that i like to study and examine the different things out there because like we talked about people want power and control and they'll do anything for it 
I don't want to upset the apple cart, but people really have to do a lot of studying and stop being afraid to upset that apple cart because Jesus himself went into the temple and cast out the money changers for doing ill business within the temple. So there's a lot of that uh, cover-up scenario that we may not be aware of. And if you don't look into it and you don't want to challenge the status quo, that the book itself says challenge the spirit. You've got to make sure what we are getting into is right. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm not that old. But I do know human spirit and human nature. And it does concern me that we allow people to control us through our emotions. And I am a Christian. I do believe in Christ. I don't. I have questions myself. Me and my wife talk about them all the time. Why this? Why that? And if you are afraid to question, you're going against what you're actually supposed to do. So what do you see as the big cover-up uh, going away? How, how do we get the cover-up to go away, Carl? Yeah, well, these, the likes of ESA and the Tom and Jumanuel need to be carbon dated and released. But the, um, the, the, uh, uh, the Buddhist community, you know, Dalai Lama will be scared of doing that. And it's, it is, you know, and he's got getting quite elderly. And as you know, when he passes away, the first, uh, Buddhist, I think is the first Buddhist baby that is born is then the new Dalai Lama. But then that Dalai Lama is very young for the next 20 years. So now is the time to convince the Dalai Lama. And then uh, Edward Mayer is 82, 83 or something like that. So um, I, I've been trying to push them to release it and get accommodated. So I, I just, just believe in butterfly effect. You know, you, you, there's a reason why um, we, we, we only need to wake up half a percent of, of the 8 billion people on Earth. And because the quantum world laws work differently, the spirit world laws work differently to the to uh, uh, life on Earth. And uh, but that's another discussion. And the so people's thoughts and the butterfly effect of just like us talking about it and someone else hearing about it and mentioning someone else, that duplicating effect of two, four, sixteens, etc., is quite. Uh, um, powerful and because I know that this is the way to world peace Jesus in India is the topic is the most controversial you can imagine I've got one of my best friends in Africa is quite religious when I talk about Jesus in India he doesn't want to keep on talking to me so um, the it is a very controversial topic but fortunately the youngsters the indigo kids from sort of mid 90 onwards have got a higher DNA activation. That's another story how that works. And they are more open to things. So it's sort of sad to say, but as the elderly are sort of passing away more and more of the younger kids come in, things get easier because they're more open to to challenge things, which, you know, I'm 57 and, you know, that, People twenties and so on now challenge things more than than, and haven't got that same hard kind of views on 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 things. So I see a benefit in that, but it's it's basically just plugging away. There's 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 no other way, and um, you know this is one of twelve topics that I want to talk about for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, so just discussing why. Is, is this so important, Jesus in India and Kashmir? And I discovered that Kashmir, I believe, is more important, interesting enough, than Israel-Palestine. And the re- and you say, wow, how can that be? Because, you know, uh, if, and the reason is 
all five main religions have been Kashmir. So Kashmir is called heaven on earth. It's a beautiful place. And it's 96% occupied by Muslims currently. But Kashmir is a part of India. So Hindu, it's a Hindu government. So it's Hindu controlled, but 96% Muslims. Um, you've got the history of um, the lost tribes that went in there 722 years before Christ. But okay, that information is flaky. There's no information about it. So just going through the five main religions, you've got Hinduism. You've got the Hindus there because they control India. And and in Kashmir, you've got, for instance, uh, Lord Shiva. You know, and, and in Hinduism, they talk about Shiva as it's a god. Shiva turned out to be a person, a prophet, just like Krishna was a prophet. I went to the place where Krishna was born in India. Shiva as well. Now, Shiva, you can go in Kashmir to a place where uh, Shiva was a big meditator. Uh, you can walk up this. I, I went there, but the snow was too bad. I couldn't it was, even know it was May. The snow was still too bad. So Hindus have been in Kashmir for a long time, and they control India. Then the second religion, Buddhism, um, that whole Kashmir area and just north of northeast of that um, Tibet is the Buddhist. So Buddha was 600 years before Christ. is massive Buddhist area because the you know the Hindu monastery is just in the dark province, just east of Kashmir. So the the Buddhists apparently controlled that whole area at one point in time. Then you've got a Jesus' time. Jesus was a Jew, and he was there, but he didn't control it. But um, you had Moses there. I I went to the shrine of Moses. So um, the local taxi driver and the uh, travel agent took me to the shrine of Moses. It it took us. It's about an hour and a half out of Srinagar. It is just the shrine with red plastic that the local community go there once a year and they say Moses was there. He didn't pass away there, but he was there. And so Moses was there. Solomon was there. Uh, David's star was in the local um, museum in Srinagar. When I got there, it wasn't there. I I was the curator and they couldn't tell me where it was. So the I know if it's researched in the local libraries, because local libraries have got all different languages, there's a whole history of Judaism from Moses' time, thousand two years before Christ, in Kashmir. It's there, just to be um, the locals. When you go, they tell you about this. Um, a lot of them don't know about it, but once you start researching it, well, once you start asking around different places, so and then you had Jesus there, according to Thomas of Germanio, uh, that passed away in 115. And now currently you've got uh, 96 controlled by uh, occup- um, population of Muslims in India, in, in Kashmir. So it's, it is where the five major religions all have been and is. And it is, to me, the place of world peace is Kashmir. It's become, it is the most important place you know, the, the Pakistanis want Kashmir, the Chinese want Kashmir, you know, it's, the, it, it, it is a heavily, heavily disputed piece of land. And, but one can flip the whole thing because once Christians can understand that Jesus was taught by Hindus and, and Buddhists, then you pull those three religions together. That's world peace. Then Jesus was a Jew, fourth religion. And then the Muslims believe in all the Old Testament, uh, all the New and Old Testament prophets. They believe in Jesus and Moses and David and everyone. So there, suddenly, you've got the five major religions talking the same language, all the same hymn sheet. So to me, um, world peace will start in Kashmir. Um, That's my view, and that's the end of my chat. That's a very interesting point. Carl, you know, I want to make one more point here. Truth will set us free. And the only way we can get 
truth is through these archived documents that we have in our possession and through archaeological uh, conveyance. So what we need to do is, like you said, contact these religious leaders, the Dalai Lama, the Pope, because I think the Vatican archives need to be busted open for everybody to look at and really dive in and see what's in there, you know, because a lot of stuff gets stuffed away and never seen again because of these purposes that we've talked about. So I think that we really need people to start coalescing together to come to the bottom of this issue that has been disturbing the world since God knows when. And the way we do this is we get a hold of these documents where people want to stuff them into darkness. That's the only way back into the light. Absolutely. The truth will set us free. It's it's actually very simple and one must just keep on keep on hammering away. All right, Carl. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Thank you for having me on. Well, I do thank you for coming on the Dead America podcast again with your uh, knowledge about all of these interesting topics. And if you ever want to come back on, just reach out to us. We'd be happy to have you discuss whatever you'd like. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening into the podcast episode today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Also, please follow us on any of your podcast players. And that's going to finish up this episode of the Dead America podcast. Make sure you come back next week and follow along for another great interview. I'm Ed Waters, out.